All right. Yeah, I just, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys know me well enough now. <laughs> All right. What you want to count me down and I'll I'll start it going. This is episode 16, right? It is. Okay. And what is it called? Takeaways from the Cranes Manufacturing Summit. Got it. Ready and five, four, three, two, one. For some people, it's really going to be a one because they're not going to be able to keep up. But for those companies that are smart and staying on the leading edge, it's really going to be a 10. You nailed it. It's a ones or zeros proposition. If you get it, it's a phenomenal time. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and welcome to episode 16 of Making Chips. I'm in the studio here with my friend and co-host, Jim Carr. Hey, Jason. And we're also in the studio with Ray Zaganto from Bylink. Hey, guys. And Ray was actually a panelist at the Cranes Manufacturing Summit, where Jim and I were one of their featured marketing partners. Yeah, we were their podcasting partner. We were their podcast partner. Yeah, that we did fun. some interviews. We had our own separate space. It was, it, was a, it was very enjoyable for us to be recognized by Cranes. So what we want to talk about is just some reflections and some takeaways that Ray actually got out of the conference and, and Jim and I are going to talk through those. So Ray actually wrote a blog post with his three takeaways from the Cranes Manufactured Summit. And if you go to makingchips.com slash buy link, we'll give a link to that blog post. What was the first takeaway from the Cranes Manufacturing Summit? Really, the first thing that came to mind, Jason, was uh, how do you stay on the leading edge as a manufacturing business these days? You know, the environment that we're in is, in my mind, is unprecedented. In the last 30 years, I've really never seen a more target-rich environment. However, those targets are different. So it's a fantastic opportunity if you're prepared and able to adapt to it. Yeah. One of the things that resonated with me was when, when they asked you how the, the manufacturing industry was doing is that you said it was a qualified 10. And, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, for some people, it's really going to be a one because they're not going to be able to keep up. But for those companies that are smart and staying on the leading edge, it's really going to be a 10. You nailed it. It's a ones or zeros proposition. If you get it, it's a phenomenal time. Yeah. I think just in general, in our business environment, it used to be where you just, you know, put a sign up and you said, I'm open for business and you were successful. But nowadays it is not that simple. Not in the United States. Absolutely no. not. No. And, and well, and it's a global environment. So I, I assume that, that it's that same way, you know, everywhere too. The second thing was that you mentioned was rethinking education. Tell us about that. Well, what we saw, again, we're, we're a tool and die company. I mean, we're job shop, no matter where we operate around the world. And uh, we all grew up kind of with the whole apprenticeship view of bringing up talent through your organization. And it, it's really different today. There's a lot of value that can be brought to an organization through interns. We've started doing some uh, experimenting about two years ago, bringing in some college students and high school students to help us out internally 
And we saw some really interesting things happen because you've got a generation of people that are interested in and very adept with technology and aren't afraid to do things. And you match that up with the journeyman toolmakers and and the engineers that we have. And there was a mutual respect and both sides learned from each other. So it's no longer, uh, you know, here's a block of steel and a file and uh, come see me in a year and we'll teach you something else. Uh, everybody's adding value from the first day, which is which is cool. You know, one of the things that I love is that so many high schools are embracing the manufacturing industry and they're saying we have to train these people starting at 14 years old to be well-equipped for manufacturing. I think that that's great. Well, I think what they want to do is they want to introduce them to the industry yes. to, to showcase it. And if it gets in with them right away and it resonates with them. They want to show that it's cool. They want to it's show not this it's cool. dirty place where you're going to regret going to work every morning. It's fun. It's technology forward. You get to work with computers. You get to make things. And, you know, the kids at 14 years old, when they're impressionable, they need to understand that. And that what I saw... The generation that is that's in manufacturing now, you know, us, our 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 folks were in this. Our, you know, my dad had a shop, and and I grew up standing next to him in the shop. If he needed to do something, he'd make it, you know. So I I was always fascinated about how do you take a chunk of wood or you know some some angle iron and and do something with it and turn it into something really functional, add a lot of value. So I had an appreciation for that, but I think there was a whole generation that missed it. Because for a while, it was like, it's not cool to get your hands dirty. No. And you really should be into this computer thing. Well, you know, that's that's great. But I got news for you. Manufacturing is cool again. It is cool. And, and you know what? As, as we said several times on Making Chips is that, you know, women are making such a positive impact on the manufacturing industry, too. So I've got a daughter. I've got a son and a daughter. And, you know, if my daughter said, I want to go into manufacturing, I'd be like, great. Uh, let me let me show you and train you how to do that. I know in one of our previous episodes with Brian Panic, where we talked about robotics, you know, he's got, he's only got daughters and, and he said that he would love to see his daughters running these robots and, and making chips out on the, on the plant floor where they're controlling a hundred different robots. I, I think that that's really cool. It, and what I'm seeing today in the, uh, in the startup community and in the services community, all segments of manufacturing, I'm seeing a lot of uh, women entrepreneurs that are purposefully targeting the manufacturing industry because it's an opportunity. Yes, yes. I'm sure that there's a lot of jobs that when it comes to troubleshooting, you know, you get a, you get 10 guys in the room and they can't figure it out. And maybe you bring one lady that looks at, you know, that job a little bit differently and all of a sudden you've got the problem solved. Well, it's, it's like anything. It's, uh, you know, position determines perspective. Fresh perspective is always going to help uh, solve a problem like that with the way sensor technology is today. You know, you need all the smart people you can solving bigger problems. Let the machines fix themselves. Yeah, there you go. So, okay, so moving on to the final point, which was that starting with small steps. And once again, this was something else that really resonated with me that I think you made the comment that when you need the money, the bankers aren't there. But when you don't need the money, everybody's trying to, you know, get you to sign a loan. So tell us a little bit about that. You know, we've all lived that in our personal and professional lives. And again, going back to the nature of, of manufacturers and the kind of the, the culture and our, our makeup, we're tinkerers at heart. And it started when we were little kids and you gave us a box of Lincoln Logs or Tinker Toys. We experimented. We made stuff and Legos. It's not a lot different with grown-ups. You don't have to spend a whole ton of money to come up with some really creative ideas. One of our biggest innovations that we've had in our company, and we've got 1,500 people worldwide, half a million square feet of manufacturing space. 
We spent $1,000 on a desktop 3D printer that ultimately turned into one of the coolest innovations we've come up with. Yeah, so I mean, you got 3D printing is in Biling's DNA now, and you guys started out with a thousand dollar printer so you didn't have to sit down and have a board meeting and say we need to spend a hundred grand on a 3d printer you know we, we started with that board meeting and they told me no <laughs> so there you go That's but, because you wanted so you, to spend too much money yeah you know so you tried for the big stuff yeah well, I, I started i asked for 50 they said no i went out spent one then came back asked for a hundred and they said okay what so kind of what kind of 3d printer did you buy for a thousand dollars can i ask yeah it was a cube printer by uh, 3d systems okay. uh, and in fact they've uh in 18 months, they've dramatically improved them. The cost has come down, and uh, with a little bit of tweaking, they're plug-and-play. And it's an awesome thing, whether you, you bring it home or have it in your office yeah. or just let your folks play with it. It's amazing. Great. What we're also going to do is we're going to have a couple follow-up interviews that Jim and I did at the Cranes Manufacturing Summit when we were there, and we'd love to hear your feedback on what everybody thought about the advantages of being at a summit like this. And we'd like to see more of our listeners attend this next year. Absolutely. It was fun. It was a good day. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Jim here. It is uh, Thursday. It's uh, February 26th. And we are at the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Chicago at the Cranes Manufacturing Summit. It's their third annual summit. Uh, we're excited. We have uh, quite a lineup of VIP guests we're going to be interviewing today. And our first one is Kerry Wood. He is the president and CEO of Spartan Corporation in Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, we're excited to have him here. And Kerry, welcome. So, Kerry, first of all, what's your speech about today? Well, I think it's going to be a, an array of questions around Midwest employment, what kinds of trends we're seeing, uh, kind of the evolution of personnel. And, and for me, the way I read the theme, it was how prepared are we and how effectively are we transitioning for the Gen Y and millennial population that's uh, seemingly taking over a much larger percentage of our employment base. Okay. So what is your company doing in order to deal with that change? Well, first, let me give you a backdrop because I think it's fascinating. According to Department of Labor Statistics, there are 250 million working men and women. Of those 25% make up the Gen Y or soon-to-be millennial population. And when you compare those to what is becoming a much more diminishing percent of the population, but in significant leadership positions, people that came up through traditionalists, baby boomers kind of era, they're very different people, very different expectations of the workplace. A lot of different dimensions to assess that. I'll, I'll grab one, and that is communications. Communications for a traditionalist, communications for even a baby boomer, was much more formal. And for most of these people in the room today, they can relate to memos being passed around and most things being on paper and being more, far more formal. Whereas today, a much larger percentage of the employment base is immediate communications, social media, Instagram, Facebook, email. It's a very different world. Mm -hmm. And they relate to the workplace very, very differently. And the important statistic is that these are the same people. They're going to make up 75% of the workplace as quickly as 2025. So you're talking hardly 10 years out. So if you're not transitioning... The way you choose people, the way that you uh, situate their workplace, the way that you provide them feedback, I think you're going to have troubles. And then you combine that with the fact that more, particularly in our business, of our manufacturing is very high-tech, which translate into very high-skilled labor work. That translates into tra training and education, which are important I, I'm just going to jump right in there right away. What, what, do, what do you have in place right now for training? Because it's the big buzzword. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it. There's a shortage in training. What kind of training initiatives do you have in place right now? Okay, so the backdrop would be first to explain what we do so as to kind of convey why we do what we do. We make medical devices, and we make everything from level one to level three types of medical devices. And the difference is being 
just how evasive or invasive they are. Those on the outside of the body, those that treat you on the inside of the body, it's serious stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about really a need for high-skilled labor. 20% of our workforce are professional degreed engineers. The remaining 80% are highly skilled people. So that is a backdrop. What we have done is internalized our own Spartan University, our own curriculum, our own internal certification, all of which is, frankly, selfishly, intended to help retain and build. We don't have a lot of turnover. As a matter of fact, we're half the industry rate in terms of so turnover. It sounds, it sounds like I've got a great culture going on. I'd there. like to think yeah. so. I mean, I've that's said it many about. times. We're a special place. We're a unique place. I'd like to think that's true. Have you seen this trend? Because um, I, I heard about this this morning that the new generation, you mentioned the Gen X and the Gen Y, is that they're not necessarily as motivated by you know, the long-term prospects of being in a stable job or money that they want to make a difference in the world. You know, that it's an interesting perspective because I think it's an unfair kind of stereotyping, frankly. And this is an important subject for us. We've been looking at this for well over a year. We have brought in some external professionals. It's a matter of fact, it's an agenda item on my twice-a-year leadership meeting that's going to take place next week. So for a traditionalist, for a baby boomer, where we looked at, where they looked at work as a privilege as something that was not just a means to an end, but it was an opportunity to enrich your personal. It's a different perspective today. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just it's very, very different. So the way they look at it is it's a means to an end, but it is a responsibility that they take very seriously. So while subtle compared to the way you conveyed it, it's not to be looked at as they're selfish and and that that they're short-lived in terms of how they see their loyalty. It's just different. You know, I'm a father of four. I have everything from a recent college graduate all the way down to a seventh grader. And I can tell you, having a recent college graduate in your home and coming home to it just about every day, it really kind of helps to give you that perspective. Because when you listen to where their head's at, how quickly am I going to be promoted, Dad? What's the next opportunity for me? I had that going on, too. It's different. Not wrong. I totally get it. We're here in the studio today with... Dr. David Boulay, who's the president of the Illinois Manufacturing Excellence Center, or IMEC for short. He has a PhD in workforce development, and today he's going to talk to us about the the state of manufacturing here at the Cranes Manufacturing Summit. Right. Dave is going to be the moderator for the summit today, and we're excited to have him here with us. He has, uh, like Jason said, he does have a PhD in workforce development, and uh, briefly welcome, Dave. Thank you. It's great to be here. Pleasure to have you. So, you know, again, there's a lot of talk today about um, workforce development, where it's coming, where where are those new manufacturing leaders going to come from? That's what I really want to touch upon. But first, explain to us briefly what IMEC is all about and what it's doing to help local manufacturers in the area. Sure. We are a uh, public-private partnership, and it's really focused on the helping the small mid-sized manufacturers be better, cheaper, faster. And there's so many elements to that, as, as you know, everything from thinking about the continuous improvement strategies to the workforce and the workforce development to thinking about how to integrate and diversify within supply chains. We're part of four universities here in Illinois, and we're also part of a U.S. commerce program called Manufacturing Extension Partnership. So this is a a national system designed to help support the small and mid-sized manufacturers in in being competitive uh, each and every day. Great. 
I, just briefly, you, you mentioned that you're partnering with four universities yes. in, the, in the Chicagoland area. What what are those? I'm just interested to know. It's four universities statewide. So oh, we're four actually statewide. Yep, okay. So we're actually headquartered at Bradley University here in the Chicago area. It's UIC. Okay. And then uh, NIU uh, as we get out a little more. Yeah. And then in the southern part of the state, Southern Illinois University. So SIU, NIU, and UIC. Correct. And yep. Bradley. Yeah. Four great colleges, yes. and that's great. So is it like a grant program? Are there grants in place? I own a small manufacturing company. Let's say that I really I, I was uh, dropped a, a huge order, a contract machining order on me, and I needed to get like six guys in my shop ramped up pretty soon. And I came to you and I said, Dave, how would you direct me to get those kids trained quickly? Yeah. So there's a and what grants are available to small manufacturers like myself? Sure. So the funding that we have, so there's, there's again, public-private partnership, there's funding from U.S. Commerce and in the state's uh, support as well. And the design of that funding is to build the capacity so that we can be local. So as you know, the, the small and mid-sized manufacturers are populating our state, every community. So how do we make sure we can be local and, re- and relevant for them? And then as we help scoping projects or looking at what are the alternatives, we do turn to what are the funding sources that might help, whether it be offsetting funds for training as a, as tr- as a training package is designed and or, for example, something that's uh, getting, gaining popularity or is, is around is in the workforce system is around on-the-job training, so helping offset the, the cost of the wages. Oh, so you would augment that um, apprentice that's in my shop, there would be a, a share basis, like a, a wage share. Is that what you're saying? Correct, correct. We'd help actually help find those resources and make sure that you're putting together a full package of knowing what you're trying to accomplish as well as what are those funding sources to help that accomplish sounds great. That sounds great. I know, I know that would help in my business for sure. So you guys um, are located here in Illinois, but do you have um, peers that are in other states? I mean, at Making Chips, we do have a national audience and actually an international audience. And so it would be helpful if they would understand that there are private public companies like yourself in other states as well. Yeah, thank you for that question. So we are part of a national system. So the idea with this, again, it's U.S. Commerce Manufacturing Extension Partnership. So if you Google that and you can find and locate the the MEP, Manufacturing Extension Partnership, in your state, we can also help make those connections. So, And this is very important when you think about a company that may have a couple different plants in different states. We're able to help ensure that we help consistency and, and deployment of whatever those activities might be. Uh, we've got a uh, special VIP guest right here in our portable studio today. His name is Dave Shupek. He is the Executive Vice President and Global Product Organization of Whirlpool Corporation. And Dave, welcome. It's good to be here. Because today is a manufacturing summit. What, what are you going to share with the audience today about manufacturing here in the Midwest and, and how Whirlpool is related to that? You know, we're a global company with the largest manufacturer in the world. We'll make about 65 million appliances this year around the world, but we are invested in America. We employ more people here in the U.S. than all of our competitors combined. Over 80% of what we sell in the U.S., we make here in the USA in, in seven very large, very capable manufacturing facilities throughout the USA. They're world class and we invest over the last five years about a billion dollars here in the USA. So we're invested in the country. We're invested in the people we design and manufacture here and uh, really make sure that we can get to every home in the USA. I assume that, you know, being a large manufacturer here in the United States, that you have a lot of 
sub manufacturing companies that you deal with in in the local environments. Are you familiar with how the importance of them to your supply chain? Oh, absolutely. As part of my role as the uh, VP of the Global Product Organization, that includes the procurement, purchasing, and uh, you know we buy about ten billion dollars of components every year. So our supply base is critically important to us. Uh, we do manufacture and assemble but we're heavily reliant on uh, key uh, manufacturers in electronics, in stamping, in motors and pumps and and wiring harnesses. So a very important part of our supply chain. And I'm going to switch gears real quick because the buzzword today and what everyone's talking about is workforce development and training. What initiatives does Whirlpool have, I'm sure there are, as far as getting the new generation up and going with regards to manufacturing training? It's a key part of my discussion this morning as well in terms of if we really want to grow our manufacturing base here in the USA, we have to get young kids to want to work in manufacturing and product design. And I think there are many ways of doing it. I think the focus on STEM, on science, technology, engineering and math in high school is really important. Uh, We need people with those skills to be able to come through engineering uh, degrees to really work in our business. And uh, I think one of the great things that I'm involved in locally and I think is a great thing about the USA high schools is what we call a first robotics competition, where it's a competition where kids every year have to design a robot to actually accomplish a task. It's a competition that's held every March and April. It's a great way to get high school kids really focused on uh, working as a team, using the latest electronics and control software and actually creating things and uh, we have a lot of our engineers really help make uh, help with the design help with the manufacturing and i think it gives uh, young people a real feel engineering and manufacturing can be fun which is an incredibly important part you, of what we need to do that's how you got to grab them and pull them in yeah. when they're engaged and they're loving their job everything's just going to flow and it's going to yeah. be we have to get rid of the stigma of manufacturing, manufacturing. being that dirty That sounds like an process. Process. a prior that, Yeah, yeah, we talk about that all the time on making do. chips. It's not the dirty environment that it once was. No. I mean, you know, the younger generation needs to understand that this is, engineering is cool, and building things is cool, the and, you know, they're going to have a lot of fun, yeah. you know, really making a difference. I mean, you make such a difference when you can produce a tangible thing as opposed to just being like a lawyer or an accountant or yeah. something like that, you know? Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure today. We're down at the Ritz-Carlton Ballroom in downtown Chicago, Illinois, on a snowy February 26th. We're hoping everyone's going to be able to get here on time and feel the energy in the air. We're thrilled that we've got a very special VIP speaker with us. His name is Jim Schultz. He's recently been appointed to the director of the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. And Jim, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So, Jim, tell us, you've been in in this position for eight days. How has that gone, and what have you done during those first eight days? It's been thrilling. It's It's been great to meet a lot of wonderful leaders. As you saw Friday, we had a big announcement in Peoria. Doug Overhelman announced the global headquarters for Caterpillar will stay in Illinois. Great. And he'll invest a billion dollars in downtown Peoria to revitalize that area. So those are the kind of things that we hope to continue to have message out of this department and out of the state of Illinois. Great. So manufacturing is, is very important, not only to the state of Illinois that you represent, but you know to our U.S. economy in general. Do you have any thoughts as far as, you know, your role and how that relates to the manufacturing industry specifically. Absolutely. We have to be laser focused on this sector. It's 14% of our GDP in the state. 10% of the jobs in the state of Illinois are manufacturing. 
We export over $60 billion of products that are manufactured here in the state of Illinois. So where are we going to focus? Manufacturing. Great. So it's a key industry, Great. key area. It's been Great. my blood forever. We're a national podcast. We're actually an international podcast. Do you have peers in other states that have the same position as, as you and are also talking about manufacturing that you're going to be connecting with in the future? I have a conference call tomorrow with one of them in another state, an adjacent state. And, and it's interesting, the adjacent states are embracing what we're trying to do here in Illinois. They see us as the heart of the Midwest, and our success and our ability to have a strong heart helps make their state stronger. So I think there's going to be a lot of collaboration and not a competitive kind of uh, situation. We'll be competing for, for opportunities, but I think it'll be very collaborative. Great. Yeah. I mean, we're in we're such a global environment that, you know, we need to, as far as, you know, the states and the manufacturing industry unify in order to compete globally. Absolutely. Agreed. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. That's fine. Perfect. Be authentic. Yeah. Don't be fake. What's your concern, Jim? Um, I, you know, I have to have. Jim everything. needs structure. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody knows that now. No, I need to know. He needs a full-bodied wine and yeah. structure. Yes. Wine. I mean, is it? We're, we're going to call it episode sixteen. Are we? <laughs> yeah, it's episode sixteen. Okay. Yeah. We're going back in time. Going back in time. Way back time machine.